0: This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats with Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Saba <laughs> <laughs> Al hello, Allah, and hope you're having a brilliant start to the week. Now, are you someone who feels like you're not being heard, whether it's at work or in relationships or even at the doctor's office? You're about to hear the incredible story of one woman who had an insect living inside her ear but her doctor repeatedly dismissed her pleas for help. Amazingly, it's not uncommon for women to be dismissed by their doctors, misdiagnosing often life-threatening conditions. It started me thinking about all the ways that we're not heard and what we can do about it. To get the discussion going, I'm about to be joined by Dawn Metcalf, author and MD of PDSI. She'll be here to tell us, why we're not being heard and give us real strategies for navigating those scenarios and driving real conversations to get what you want. In the second hour we're going to be joined by Majdal Farsi, Programs Coordinator at Fun or Sharjah Media Arts for Youth and Children who will be here to tell us about the brilliant programs happening at FUN, as well as giving us all the details on the Short Film Story Award. So let's get into it. It is Life Beats with me, Sally Musa on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats, with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95.
1: 95.
0: Yes, hello and welcome to Life Beats this morning. Now, um, I came across a story, a uh, really interesting one, uh, all about a woman um, who had found a bug in her ear. And it goes beyond the gross factor. There's a lot more to this story than meets the eye. It got us thinking about... The topic of not being heard and what you can do about it. And in the studio with me, I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Pulse 95 Studios author and communications expert Dawn Metcalf. Welcome. Hello, hello, hello. Really good to see you again, Dawn. Very nice to be back. <laughs> now um, I sent you this article. Um, ew. And yes,
1: thanks for that. There's
0: a big <laughs> ill big factor. So the, the, the headline is basically an inch-long bug lived in my ear for months, but my doctor dismissed it as anxiety. Um, And this is what got me thinking. Um, The author happens to be a woman and somebody who suffers from anxiety. And she was dismissed over and over again by her doctor um, after she complained of hearing something. And feeling something. And feeling something in her ear for months. And she kept asking the doctor to check it out, Her GP wouldn't do it. She asked for a referral to a specialist, to an ENT specialist. Her doctor refused to give her a referral. And her
1: doctor was a woman, by the way, right? Her doctor, this isn't a a gender fight thing. Her doctor was a woman.
0: What's interesting is that her doctor was, in fact, um, a woman. And this happened all the way until the bug actually fell out of her ear. And (laughs) she couldn't believe it because finally... um, you know, she was right. She was right. Um, and even when she'd gone back to that same doctor and said, this was living inside my ear and you were wrong, the doctor refused to acknowledge it. Yep.
1: Um, Never mind an apology, not even an acknowledgement.
0: Nothing, nothing. And so, and then um, she posted about this on Facebook and she got a ridiculous response. Deluge. Thousands of responses saying, this has actually happened to me as well. Um, so... This is a really, really big problem, obviously, Dawn, um, but this is where we need to start. Why Why does this kind of thing happen? Why are we not being heard?
1: Well, let, well let's start with the fact that this isn't just something that happened to this woman, right? This happens to people of all uh, shapes and sizes. It does seem to happen more to women than it does to other people. It happens more to people of colour. Anybody who is marginalized in any kind of way, anybody who, over the, the the centuries, over history, has been treated with less, shall we say, respect, with mm. less deference, uh, tends to be underdiagnosed and undertreated. So if you want to have a really, really horrible time, Google black women pregnancy horror stories. right, And see the way that they're treated. Um, just allowed to be in pain for way much longer than it w- would happen to anybody else.
0: So uh, as well, according to the World Heart Federation, doctors often fail to recognize and treat uh, in women heart disease. It's the number one killer uh, of women in the U.S. And women are more likely than men to die of a heart attack uh, for the same reasons as well. Um, Women are often prescribed Valium instead of painkillers. You've got as well a 2009 report uh, saying that women were told that they were suffering from depression and anxiety or home hormone imbalances. Or what,
1: 150 years ago we would have called hysteria. Hysteria,
0: exactly. And we
1: know where that word comes from, right?
0: Uh, Being hysterical and just going over the top.
1: Hysteria comes from from the the word womb. Yeah. right. It's a word that is there to describe women. But this is not about gender bias, to be absolutely clear on this. Because if it were, then we wouldn't have female doctors Doing this doing as well. The same thing, and they do. Mm-hmm. And we have black doctors doing it to black people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: So what is being heard all about? It's not really about the person who can shout the loudest, is it? How do we do this? How do we navigate these kind of situations?
1: So like everything else in communication, it's about thinking about the other person. So one of the things that we need to think about is, how do you need that person to perceive you? How do you need that doctor to perceive you? And if we think back to your story with the lady with the insect in her ear, Mm. the way she needed to be perceived is sensible, non-neurotic, non-anxious, and yet she has a history of anxiety. So that's really, really difficult to do what when you go into that doctor you need to be seen as somebody who is calm who is rational who has thought these things through and how you then get that across you get that perception across to the other person will depend on that other person's filters so if it is um, a 70 year old white male and you are going in as a 20 year old, if you're go- a 20 year old female, if you're going and going, hey, doctor, how you doing? And, you know, you've got the right and the OK and lols and, and you're using that kind of language. They're not going to take these seriously. Mm. Whether you, it, It's not so much what you're saying as how you're saying it. It's mm. how you're behaving so that their perception of you is what you need it to be.
0: Sometimes, though, when you're in a medical situation, that can be difficult to do. Um, I'm going to give an example of something that happened to me recently where I was extremely ill, extremely ill. Um, So I had a red rash all over my body. I was pale from pain and exhaustion and nausea. I had swelling all over my body as well. Ouch. Um, And all of that was due to uh, an allergy that I had to a medication that I was taking that I didn't realize uh, was the cause. Um, And I went to an endocrinologist, a specialist, and um, I asked him about, you know, what was going on. I'd been taking this medication for a few days and I I straight out asked him, I said, you know, um, should I keep taking it? And without giving it, a a second of thought he said yes of course keep taking your medication keep going he i was in tears and i was just falling apart um, because of the impact that that this medication had on me um and he just you know basically he was so condescending it was unbelievable he just pat me on the head he said you're going to be all right love gave me a Did he
1: really p- pat you on the head? He really did. Like Physically patted you on the head. A
0: consultant wow. endocrinologist did this to me, okay? Um and and it basically gave me a shot of painkillers and said, It's fine, keep taking the medication, go home. Wow. End of discussion.
1: To be fair to to the doctor in this situation, he's falling into the same trap that we all do. He's falling into the trap of pattern recognition. So he will have seen hundreds of people come in you know in the, in the last few months and most of the time the correct answer is continue taking the medication so his problem there is not being able to see that you are different from that from that normal pattern what i would say to you however is at the moment where he patted me on the head i would have stopped having a conversation about how bad i was feeling and i know you were feeling really ill and that's very difficult to do maybe have a different conversation a conversation about the inappropriateness of being patted on the head. And use that as a data point to allow you to go back into the conversation about being taken seriously. So it might sound something like, Doctor, um, I've noticed that you just patted me on the head. That makes me feel like you're not necessarily taking this as seriously as I feel you could be and should be. What do you need to hear from me in order to do that?
0: Mm. So that
1: you're pushing it back into his court then and saying, this is how I'm feeling about it. This is why I'm feeling that because you patted me on the head as a grown adult human. Why would you do that? What was going on in yours? Putting that line in the sand and then saying, right, if you're not taking me seriously enough to pat me on the head, what do I need to make that make that change? What do you need to hear from me?
0: We're going to continue this discussion. We are on Instagram Live. Hello to everybody who's uh, watching there. Hello to everybody who's listening. Uh, you can get in touch uh, a multitude of different ways. Um, of course, on the text lines 2415 for it to 2022 or uh, do. But you can text us as well on uh, Insta messenger as well um, we are here if we've got a question for dawn uh, about communication about navigating difficult conversations about being heard uh, this is the discussion that we are having today so uh, let us know share your experiences as well has this happened to you um, and coming back we're going to be talking about why it's so hard uh, for us to sometimes find our voice what stops us from speaking up and what can we do about it plus uh, the two different uh Types of trust uh, that we need to be uh, thinking about. That's all coming up on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast.
1: Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on
0: Pulse 95. 95. Welcome back to Life Beats. We are talking how to make sure that you are heard. A lot of reaction to this story that uh, we've put out there. It's actually, we, uh, I found it in Oprah Magazine, uh, for those who want to know where that's from. Um, it's all about the the woman who found a bug in her ear, uh, but it was dismissed as anxiety for months and months until the bug finally Fell out. Um, Natasha texted in earlier and said uh, this has more to do with the systemic lack of focused gender bias, if you will, um, on women's healthcare needs and caregiving approaches versus being heard. Uh, the latter places the onus on women to communicate effectively to get the right diagnosis. Um, uh, she says lots of famous women have been misdiagnosed for several years, essentially failed by the medical fraternity. Um, uh, she talks about Fran Drescher for several years not diagnosed with ovarian cancer, uh, and Padma Lakshmi uh, who had endometriosis. Um, so there are lots of examples, both famous and you know hidden, um, of women uh, who have experienced this. Um, but interestingly, I. I don't know that this is just a women thing. I think it's a power play thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And look, doctors are powerful, right? Mm. Do- there's, there's that God complex that we've always talked about when it comes to doctors, to surgeons in particular. Um, but again, traditionally women have had less power. So that that doesn't negate what we were saying earlier, I don't think. Yep. Same thing with, with um, people of colour. Um, I I had a chronic disease, I have a chronic disease. Um, So I was diagnosed maybe 15 years ago with a disease called psoriatic arthritis. And uh, I was very, very ill, so for a year I wasn't really walking, I wasn't sure I'd ever um, work again. And um, I had to deal with a lot of doctors. Now luckily I I had a secret weapon Insofar as I had a friend who was a doctor who was coaching me from the sidelines. And the very first thing he told me was, when you go in to meet the doctor for the first time, call the doctor by his first name, not Dr. Metcalf, not Dr. Dawn, but Dawn. Make it clear from the beginning that you are peers, that you are colleagues, that you are partners in trying to work out the the, the, the diagnosis and the prognosis and then the treatment. It was fascinating. It completely changed the uh, the dynamic from the very beginning. And interesting enough, I ended up then working in an, a medical education company uh, with this same doctor. And a couple of years later, my, uh, my doctor, my rheumatologist, And I bumped into each other at a conference, at a a medical uh, conference, a pharmaceutical conference in Boston. And he was completely freaked out, completely freaked out to see me out of context, to see me in a position where I wasn't the patient coming in and saying, please, doctor, help me, help me, help me. But rather, oh, hello, you're another human being. I, I don't think we can necessarily take that away from doctors either, because they are in a position of power. They know things that we don't know. And they are being asked to make decisions on our behalf a lot of the time, so I I, I don't think it, 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 it I don't think we want to become more powerful than our physicians. We do want to have a situation where we feel like we're in a partnership with them, though, and they're listening to us as much as we're listening to them.
0: Exactly, because it's their, it's you that they are supposed to be taking care of.
1: Uh, but that's not how, how doctors necessarily think. They're not taking care of you necessarily. They're taking care of that disease. Right? As soon as they as soon as they can see you as a person, then that changes things.
0: That is so interesting. Have you ever done this kind of training with doctors? Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and it's changed a lot over the last few years. Um, so back in the day, so even, even 10, 15 years ago, uh, communication skills were not taught in medical schools at all, ever. And then that changed. And it got taught at the end of medical school. So you did all the proper medical stuff and then you did a week on communication skills training That's at incredible. the end. But that has changed dramatically. In fact, just the other day I was talking to a lady who is based in Oman. And she does, um, she's a the communicable diseases. And she does a lot of education with doctors around this. And they try to interweave the communication skills with the medical knowledge because their point is unless you are properly questioning the patient, properly listening to the patient, then you're not getting all the information that you need in order to be able to properly diagnose and then treat that same patient.
0: Absolutely. Um, I just, I'm almost floored by, you know, your idea uh, or that doctor's idea that you were speaking about to use their first name without doctor, I would think, see, I would think that that would be incredibly disrespectful. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't do it. <laughs> but now that you say that, well, maybe that should be done.
1: Well, it, it's, it, that was the advice I was given. Now, this was not, this was in a very Western context. So my friend was American. I, we were doing this in London. Um, but it it, it it certainly worked for me. And it wasn't the only thing that I did, obviously. And I was also very respectful. The other thing he told me not to do was to never go in and say, I've Googled this. Doctors don't like that very much. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> Which like, why yeah, are you here then? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think that's fair, right? Back to they yeah. do deserve to have some power. You know, they've, they've worked hard. They have knowledge that I don't have. But I have knowledge that they don't have. I know what it feels like to be inside me. Exactly. And so there needs to be that mutual respect.
0: Let's go to some of the comments that have come in. Uh, Nuna al-Sayed says, You know yourself, so don't be intimidated uh, by the doctor. Uh, She goes on to say, uh, my son was given a suppository that made him go into a pattern of seizures. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Mikhail, who is behind our Insta live uh, camera there. Look, yeah. Yeah. More comments? Actually, a follow-up uh, to uh, what you said by Nuna. She says, the doctor told me you are not a doctor, so I told him that I'm his mom and I know my son. Turns out my three-year-old son had a reaction to the suppository they gave. Um, that said, I have to say that the most that most doctors are understanding and not condescending at all. hmm Mm. it's yeah. just you know it's not surprising you get to the point where you go it's not surprising and you really have to be strong and you really have to kind of because you know right yeah you know what you're feeling you know what you're feeling and you know your son or your daughter if, if that's who you know you're going in for
1: as well But look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit and, and sort of speak up for the doctors here and say that one of the problems that doctors have is patients being compliant um, by which I mean taking their medicine so even people who have diabetes, they tend not to continue taking their um, their insulin over time. Um, so sometimes doctors are, are are playing that power trip in order to frighten you, in order to coerce you, in order to persuade you to actually comply with their directions. Mm-hmm. Because if, if it's God telling you to do it, then you're more likely to do it, right? And, um, and, that, and they're on your side. They, they may not always, fe- it may not always feel like they're on your side, but they are trying to help. So again it comes back to per it comes back to purpose what's your purpose in this conversation and what's their purpose in this conversation and how can you make sure that those purposes are brought together and that you've got a mutual objective and and reminding the doctor again and again that even when you are may- maybe challenging the doctor or asking questions you're not doing that in order to undermine them or to take away their power you're doing that because ultimately, you're both here for the same thing, which is to get you well and out of their office so they don't have to see you again.
0: Exactly. Uh, We're going to be continuing the discussion with Dawn in just a moment. Keep sending your uh, comments and questions in for her. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, our neurobiology, how that works against us, Uh, talking trust as well, uh, giving you strategies for asking for the things that you need and want as well. Because uh, as a woman, have you ever had to deal with a difficult boss or ask for flexible working hours after you have had a baby uh navigating uh negotiating in fact for a pay rise uh, these are all things that you're going to be coming up against how do you work through those uh, lots more coming up here on life beats on pulse 95 this is pulse 95 you're listening to the life beats podcast Life Beats Life Beats with Sally Musa. only on Pulse 95 <laughs> Having a bit of a um, hilarious conversation off air <laughs> 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 about um, yeah, uh, being heard amongst brothers and sisters, siblings, siblings. Good mm. lord, sib- sibling rivalry, and not just even rivalry. It's just like not getting along. It's just.
1: I thought that was all confidential, Sally. Oh,
0: yeah, we have to. I have to kind of air it out. It's yeah. happening in my house at the moment, <laughs> <laughs> which is why we're talking about it. Um, but coming back to the topic uh, of making sure that you are heard, particularly um, whether it's at work or at the doctor's office. Uh, A lot of you texting in on this one, it's really struck a chord. Um, But Dawn, uh, in terms of our neurobiology, how does our brain work against
1: us in these kind of situations? Well, in a number of different ways, but the one that I'd like to talk about first is um, what we call Homer is strong and very, very stupid. And by that we mean Homer Simpson. Mm -hmm. So the idea is really that we've got kind of two systems in our brains and we, we call them Homer Simpson and Spock. So Homer Simpson from The Simpsons and Spock from Star, uh, Trek. from Star Trek and the problem is that our brains are set up so that Homer Simpson tends to be in charge a lot of the time. So Homer Simpson, Homer Simpson is the amygdala, that bit of the back of our brain, the monkey brain or the lizard brain and when we are faced with a threat that's the bit that takes over. Mm. And the problem is that our brain associates the doctor disrespecting us or the sibling looking at us funny uh, in exactly the same way as it does a rustling, rustling in the bush from a saber-toothed tiger. And so our our Spock ability, our ability to have the executive brain take over the bit that can actually think about the future, make sensible, informed, rational decisions, is not in play. Homer's in charge. Mm. And when Homer's in charge, we tend to do what feels good in the moment. And that can either be running away from that conflict, running away from having that discussion with the doctor, or... Losing our um, our rationality altogether and telling that person exactly what we think of them, even though what we're doing that is not going to help us get what we really want.
0: Or wanting to punch them in the face.
1: Indeed. Um, I was trying not to say that.
0: To <laughs> I. <laughs> I mean, l- l- let's talk about it because we've all felt it. Yep. And I- I'm sure we can say that you're not going to act upon it. No, please don't. But. You know, you you have thought, I mean, goodness, you know, that doctor t- patting me on the head. I did want to punch Ooh. him in the face
1: at yeah. that point. And I mean, and you could have done, but it wouldn't have got you what you wanted. No. Right? I mean, it wouldn't have got you the diagnosis that you needed. It wouldn't have got you um, a very good relationship with that doctor going forward. Mm-hmm. It would feel great in that moment. And that's why we call it Homer Simpson, right? Homer Simpson eats the donuts right now because it feels really good. Yep. Spock thinks, well, if I don't eat the donuts, then I'm going to have a better life. Further down the down the line,
0: it's all about a completely different approach. Making sure that you are communicating in a way that is going to get that other person to listen to you.
1: Yeah, it's it's in in hard talk terms, we talk about behaving well. And behaving well doesn't mean letting other people getting away with things. What it means is behaving in a way that it is more likely to get you the long term results that you're looking forward to. The positive results that you want, the ones that you'd be happy to tell your your siblings, your parents, your friends, that this is what I was trying to achieve, as opposed to the stuff that feels good in the moment, to embarrass, to guilt, to reject, to, to beat up.
0: It's interesting that you call it behaving well, uh, because I think as women, as girls, we're always told to behave well, but that means something completely different
1: it means to quiet. what you're
0: talking about. It means to stay quiet. Yeah. It means to step back, know your place. Yeah. Um, and that is exactly what's working against us in these
1: kind of situations. Yeah, absolutely. And, we, and, and when we do speak up, you know what? Sometimes we do get punished for it, um, particularly if we don't do it well. And there are lots of things that you can do to avoid that. So one of the things that you can do is, as, a, as a woman to avoid that, all the research suggests, is that you don't negotiate on your own behalf. You negotiate on behalf of the group. Mm-hmm. Because if you negotiate on your own behalf, you're seen as a little bit uppity. Um, and if you get somebody else to negotiate on your behalf, even better. Okay, um, that's the, uh, a lot more work, isn't it? It is a lot more work. I mean, men are just expected to negotiate on their own behalf. And if they don't, then they, yeah, they, they don't get what they want. Yeah. But it it listen, there, there might be some pushback if you don't negotiate. If you do negotiate, but if you don't negotiate, you're not going to get what you want. Full stop. Mm-hmm. So we 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 can't always be liked, right? We're told to behave well so that people will like us. Guess what? We don't need to be liked all the time. We really, really don't. That's
0: a great point. Really important point. What about trust? The importance of trust here?
1: So one of the things that uh, we we know makes, and this is around highly performing teams, right? So highly performing teams are, according to a research done by Google, these are teams where everybody speaks up more or less the same amount of time. So if you've got five people on the team, they're speaking up about 20% of the time each. Mm -hmm. So then the next question is, well, how do you get people to do that? How do you get everybody to speak up? How do you make sure that everybody feels like they're worthy of being heard? And the answer is, safety, trust. But there's two kinds of trust. There's normal common trust. So that's the trust that I can leave my phone here and you're not going to pick it up and steal it. Please don't do that. (laughs) Um, And then there's vulnerability based trust. So that's the trust that I can tell you that terrible story about me and my brother. And you're not going to then say it again on the radio a couple of minutes later. It's the trust that I can ask a silly question, that I can make a mistake, that I can say sorry for something and you're not going to hold it against me. And when we have that vulnerability-based trust, that's when we get to have real conflict, really helpful conflict. So conflict not being a dirty word here, right? Conflict being about confrontation, conflict being about a discussion, a healthy discussion that's designed to help us to come to some conclusions.
0: And to create change.
1: And to create change. And it's when you have that conflict, then you get uh, commitment, you get accountability, and ultimately you get results.
0: Mm. Yes, Uh, exactly. That is what we want. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to be talking about... Uh, those common pain points that we all go through. So uh, if you're dealing with a difficult boss, uh, how to ask for flexible working hours after the birth of your child, uh, negotiating a pay rise, you may want to do that. That's all coming up next on LifeBeats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats Life beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Yes, we are with Dawn Metcalf. She is the founder and managing director at PDSI. And we are talking about all of the different ways that you can be heard, particularly in those situations where it really uh, matters. Like, for example, Dawn, dealing with a difficult boss yeah. or asking uh, for flexible working hours after the birth of a new child or even negotiating a pay rise. Where shall we start?
1: Difficult bosses. Let's go. So, people come to me and they say, I've got a really difficult boss, I've got a really um, unemotional boss, I've got a boss who's um, a psychopath. That's my (laughs) favourite. My (laughs) boss is a psychopath. First of all, he probably isn't, or she probably isn't. (laughs) Um, And the very first thing that I say is, well, how do you know? And they say, well, what do you mean? I say, well, you say they're difficult. What do you mean by that? So that's an adjective, right? It's a describing word. And anytime you hear a describing word, an adjective, in hard talk terms, that is what we call a potential. So what that means is that in itself, it's a judgment. So I could say that you are difficult. It doesn't mean anything. But what I, and if I come to you and I say, Sally, please stop being so difficult. You're going to say, I'm not difficult. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. It's not a particularly fruitful conversation. Whereas if I work out what it is that I think makes you difficult, and I don't know what choices to make right now in terms of (laughs) examples, Uh, but let's say you were somebody who turned up late, who interrupted me every time I tried to speak, um, who didn't hand in reports. Those three things might make you difficult. If we start a conversation with these three things that you do, then it's much more likely to be a productive conversation. It's
0: more concrete, you understand.
1: Exactly. And by the way, it works the other way around as well. Even with um, positive feedback, you have exactly the same thing. So somebody will say to you, you know, you're so charismatic. Well, Okay, what, what, do you what mean does that, that mean? Yeah, what am I doing so yeah. I can do more yeah. of it? Yeah. Um, in terms of negative feedback, my favorite is when people are told that they need to be a better team player, and they just go, "I don't know what that means. You have to be more specific." And people genuinely don't like being that specific. But if you want to move the conversation ahead, that's where you really have to go to. What we call the truths, things that you can see and hear, things that everybody in the world can agree to.
0: So it's actually a problem that we're really vague. We need to be way more specific. And this is kind of what we did when you were here last time. Uh, about having to tell somebody that they smell.
1: And you went on for maybe six minutes. No, not really. I but really it, did. <laughs> a no, for a long let's, time. let as it is.
0: I really did just go on like for about five minutes going, you know, I really like you. You're the you, nicest. You're like my
1: brother. Yeah.
0: <laughs> trying to like soften the blow. But actually it's just the worst thing you can do.
1: Well, And the poor person is sitting there going, well, when's yeah. when's the shoe going to drop? I, yeah. I know they're about to say something horrible. Yeah, What's it, it must going be really be? bad yeah, it must if be she's really taking bad. that long exactly. to say Exactly. Nice as things. opposed to, listen... Here's what I'm trying to achieve in this conversation. I want to tell you something that you probably don't know. Here's what I'm not trying to achieve. So you're contrasting it, particularly if you think the person might misunderstand you or mis- misinterpret you. Here's what I'm not trying to achieve, and then put on those big boy, big girl pants. This is the thing that happened. This is the thing that I'm wor- that I'm worried about. This is the thing I want to tell you. Mm simple as I mean easy It's not, no not easy it's definitely not easy <laughs> you make it sound like it's easy it's really really not I mean to be fair we did call it hard to talk so um, is, it, is
0: it good to, to role play these things before you go in and do it
1: it's really good to prepare if you can role play fantastic um, if you can find somebody who will do that with you and who will be as as realistic as possible mm. so they won't let you get off the hook but they also won't be like the worst human being in the world right Um, th- th- we have a, a thing called the decision tree that, that walks you through how to prepare it Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, people can download that for free on the website if if they're interested. Um, but preparing for these things is really, really helpful because not every conversation that you have you'll be able to prepare for. Sometimes you'll be sitting in a what you think is an ordinary conversation, and suddenly it will hit you from from the side. But the more times you've prepared, the more embedded those behaviours are, the more likely you are to remember how to behave well in that moment.
0: Yep. Okay. Uh, negotiating a pay rise. How do you do that?
1: Carefully. <laughs> I mean, what's the strategy? Well, one, first of all, do it at the, at the beginning, uh, not, not to go back to women again, but women tend to not negotiate in their first year of, um, of work. And over time, if you think about it, if you don't negotiate in that first year and you get a 10 percent increase every year for the next 10 years, inshallah, then that makes a huge difference over time. Very, very quickly. So negotiate upfront. If you haven't done so, don't wait too long, but don't make it about you. You can't go in and say, listen, I've just got married and I've got a new house and I've got a new baby and therefore I need more money. That's not how that's not how corporates work. That's mm. not how bosses think. You've got to be able to go in there and sell your value. And again, it goes back to specifics. So in the last year, I did one, I did this thing, I did that thing, I did the other thing. And, by, and, and what are those things? They should either be about reducing costs for the organisation, increasing revenues for the organisation or reducing trust for the organisation. Whatever is on your list of, this is why I deserve more money, should be related to those those three things because those are the three things that organizations are there to do
0: okay center your conversation around the right things that actually interest your boss yep. uh, in terms of why you're adding value to the organization exactly. you're
1: going back into that other person's brain again and again and again and that's why when we when we think about having these difficult difficult conversations we do tend to focus on what to say hmm. but actually we should be spending quite a lot of time thinking about what we're listening to and how we can understand what's going on inside their head so we have, a, we have a thing called the brain drains, and one of them is um, when we most need to persuade, we seek to explain rather than to understand, which is very silly, right? If you want to persuade somebody to do something, don't start by trying to find the perfect word. Try to understand what's going on with them, what's motivating them, what are their levers, so that you can then tell, talk to them about something that they care about, what's in it for them. It's not about you, it's about them. It's not about you, it's about them every single time.
0: Every single time. Yeah, which is Uh, why it's hard. Just very quickly, in about a minute, flexible working hours. If you've just had a baby, you want to negotiate, how do you do that?
1: Don't go in and say, I want to negotiate because I've had a baby. Again, that's not about them, right? That's, That's not your employer's problem. It really isn't. Talk to them about how you need to be able to manage that transition so that you can continue to stay. Talk about the fact that you've worked there for however many years, what you've learned, how they would be seeing you go out the door with all of that knowledge, with all of those those abilities, with all those skills that they've helped you to develop in your time, in your career. And then talk about how they're going to be able to still hold you to account. So instead of worrying about how many hours you're in the office, worry about what kind of job you're going to do, what kind of results you're prepared to be held accountable for.
0: And the fact that it's going to cost them a lot more money uh, to hire somebody else.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, um, I, I found some research just yesterday talking about this. I mean, the numbers are just frightening. When you, the when you see turnover, and if you can drop turnover even slightly, the the difference to the bottom line is extraordinary. So yeah, talk to them about stuff that they care about, not about your baby. Work I mean, it You all. love your baby, but yes. they don't.
0: Work it all in your favor. Uh, Dawn McCaff, uh, Managing Director of PDSI and author of Hard Talk. Thank you so much.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's been
0: brilliant. If you missed any part of the conversation, uh, so many great tips from Dawn today. Uh, You're going to be able to find it later on today. It will be on our podcast uh, for Life Beats on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So make sure you are there. And there's the book as well, the Hard Talk book. Don't forget, that is there uh, too. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be talking about filmmaking for young people. Al uh, 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 Farsi is going to be here uh, from Fun, and we're going to be talking more about that. Plus the prize, the Short Film Story Award. That's next on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.